This is the Detroit is Different Podcast Network, the culture of an American classic city. You're listening to the Piper Carter Podcast on the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. Peace, y'all. Welcome to the Piper Carter Podcast on Detroit is Different. I'm your host, Piper Carter. If you are new here and just tuning in, this is going to be a special tribute episode. And um, yeah, so we're going to be getting into some heavy stuff. And actually, I'm going to wait a couple of minutes. Can you guys hear me? If you can hear me, um, let me know if you can hear me. Peace, everyone. Um, I apologize. I'm a couple minutes late. I'm gonna, if you guys bear with me, I'm gonna, um, just get my disclaimer. Um, so, um, if you are here because you love Kelly Mays, I want you to put, this is for Kelly in the chat, please. Um, so if you're, if you're, you know, coming here and you don't actually know Kelly, um, put this is for Kelly in the chat too, because this episode is for Kelly and, um, that's what we're doing this evening. We're dedicating this episode to Kelly Mays, rest in peace and much gratitude. Um, Let me see, I'm just going to grab my disclaimer because uh, we're going to talk about some heavy stuff and I just want to make sure that everyone is aware. And I apologize for um, the delay. I'm just waiting for people to uh, to get in before I uh, before I get started. Started. Um, here we go. Is this a yeah? And we're also gonna have a special guest. Um, and I, I appreciate our special guest that's gonna come. I, if you had a chance to. Um, check out the show that I do on Mondays at 8 p.m. on Black Power Media. I did that show by myself. The show that I'm going to do today is going to be um the uh, a different show. Um, and we're going to have a conversation. Um, let me make sure that I put this up in here. Uh. Sorry about being late, guys. This has been one heck of a a week, to be honest. Um, let me see. I don't want it to be a background. I want it to be not a video clip and not an overlay. Well, maybe it can be an overlay. It can be an overlay. So I'll add it here. And I think it's this. We're going to open, upload. Thanks for being patient, y'all, as people come in. 
Okay, boom. So, um, <clears throat> and I have some type of cough. I It's been six degrees in Detroit. And I've been sleeping with the heater on, uh, you know, the space heater. And I think it like dried out my throat. So I made some ginger tea. Mm. And I'm a little coffee. So I'm going to have to put on my humidifier. Um, so welcome, welcome. Um, I'm going to just, you know, as you're coming in, everybody just put this is for Kelly. Put this is for Kelly in the chat. Put this is for Kelly in the chat. Um, so before I begin, let me do the disclaimer. Um, we want to emphasize that this episode of the Piper Carter podcast contains sensitive content that may be triggering for some listeners. So if you or someone you know is experiencing intimate partner violence, please seek help immediately. We are not professionals in this field and please reach out to qualified organizations and professionals for assistance. I'm going to leave this up for a second. And while that disclaimer is up, I am also going to just let y'all know um, the, the, the our community in Detroit has been under, I don't know, I'm going to call it like some weird spell. That's what it feel, feels like. And so um, no one is talking about what happened. No one in the hip-hop community is talking about it. I mean, people are just not really talking about it. I mean, people are giving love to the family, and we want to encourage everyone to continue to give love to the family. And please go into the description of this podcast and, you know, donate to her daughter's ways that you could donate and share that but also um you know I'm ho I, I I my hope in doing these two podcasts was to like help create a gateway so that we could talk about this because it's such an epidemic in our community um and maybe people aren't talking about it because they're going through it and they're embarrassed Maybe people aren't talking about it because they're afraid. Maybe people aren't talking about it because they don't know how to talk about it. But we got to talk about it. And we have to continue talking about it because we have to visibilize it. Um, I'm going to leave the disclaimer up here, like I said, while I tell y'all that um, this is to acknowledge the collective pain and shock. Um, and so... I definitely want to begin with expressing my empathy for all those around. Um, I want to, I want to repeat that because I want to acknowledge the collective pain and shock is collective. I said that I felt it, but in speaking to so many people, it's it's a collective pain and it's a collective shock. And, and the reason I say I want to ground us in empathy is because I want us to create an understanding for the profound grief and trauma that's affecting this community. 
I want to honor her. And so I want to focus on her because she's been victimized. And I want to emphasize the importance of uh, remembering and valuing her life. I want to center uh, her voice and also violence against black women. And I'm hoping we can discuss it in a broader context of intimate partner violence and its disproportionate impact on black women. And I want to share resources and information about domestic violence and support organizations. Again, check the chat as well as our, our guest that, that'll be on. I want to emphasize the importance of seeking support and encourage listeners to reach out for support if you're struggling with your own grief or know someone who is. And, um, and I want to share resources for mental health services and grief counseling. I want to open dialogue about difficult questions, discuss questions about justice, accountability, and preventing future tragedies. I want to encourage respectful and thoughtful dialogue without... I put a period there. Um, I want to break the silence. And this highlights the need to openly discuss domestic violence and the impact it has on Black women. And I want us to heal together. And so I want to emphasize the importance of community support and collective healing and focus on uh, community strength. And I want to highlight the resilience and love within the community and um, just create a space where we could come together, an online space where we could come together um, and discuss ways that we can honor her memory, honor Kelly May's Native child's memory and promote positive change. And then also for loving love and strength. And I want, again, to emphasize the resilience and love within the community in the face of tragedy. And hopefully I get to end with a message of hope and solidarity. And solidarity with Black women and families experiencing intimate partner violence. Um... And so again, this episode is going to discuss some sensitive topics, including intimate partner violence and violence against Black women. So listener discretion is advised. And again, if you or someone you know is experiencing domestic violence, please reach out for help. Check inside of the description and you'll find some resources there. So um, thank you. So welcome everyone to the Piper Carter podcast. My name is Piper Carter. Um, something I wanted to do, you know, Kelly shared a lot with us. And I want to share her with all of us. And uh, if you don't, if you didn't know Kelly May's native child, I'm going to tell you about her. The unfinished symphony of Kelly Mays. The mic dipped silent, its spotlight replaced by a chilling void. On January 7th, 2024, the vibrant melody of Kelly native child Mays' life was brutally cut short. A warrior poet, a fierce advocate, a survivor 
who became a shield for the silenced. Kelly's impact was a symphony echoing through Detroit streets and beyond. But her story wasn't penned in tragedy. Kelly's life was a whirlwind of laughter, adventure, and the unwavering belief that even the darkest corners could be lit with compassion. In every spoken word, every whispered poem, she battled the monsters of stigma, the invisible burdens of mental health, and the brutal scars of domestic violence. This isn't a tale of a fall, but a stolen flight. Kelly wasn't just a name on a headline. She was a sister, a friend, a voice for the voiceless, a daughter, a mother. And while the circumstances surrounding her silencing are shrouded in a chilling fog, what's clear is this, we cannot let her song fade. This podcast isn't a eulogy, it's a continuation. We pick up the pen where Kelly's fell, amplifying her echoes, ensuring her fight isn't unfinished. We delve into the complexities of mental health and shatter the cages of stigma and hold a space for the stories too often whispered in the shadows. It's a commitment, a promise, a promise spoken into the microphone as if through Kelly's own voice. We will not be silenced. We will honor her legacy. One conversation, one song, one poem, one shared experience at a time. Join us on this journey. Let's turn the grief into action, the tears into fuel for change, for the sake of Kelly's unfinished symphony. Let's make the world a chorus of voices rising against the darkness, remembering her not just in eulogy, but in action. This is our podcast, a platform where Kelly's spirit lives on where her whispers become roars and her unfinished symphony resonates through the airwaves louder than silence, stronger than any shadow. <coughs> so <clears throat> I just wanted us to honor Kelly's legacy together, just one powerful word at a time. And so with that, um, I'm going to, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm going to uh, play one of her poems to start us off. I'll be, I uploaded, how many of her poems? I uploaded one, two, three, four, five, six. I uploaded six of her poems. Let's, uh, let's start with this one. Hello, everyone. My name is. Okay, wait. Why don't we hear? One second. Sorry, y'all. We got to make sure we hear her. Okay, sorry about that. Okay. Hello, everyone. My name is Native Child. Um, I was a contestant, a finalist in the 2019 Motown Spoken Word Artist Competition. I would like to thank Motown for giving us a platform and an opportunity to share our Motown-inspired poems. That being said, I'm going to share you with you my poem. It's called Elegy from My Grandmother, The Day Motown Taught Me to Grieve. 
My grandmother wore Motown on her hips like inner city blues, a rebellion of freedom and joy and pain, a revival like quicksand having a talk with God, songs in the key of life at her fingertips, her body, a pulpit and testimony, amen. She inspired Hello everyone, my name is Native Child. Um, I was a contestant, a finalist in the 2019 Motown Spoken Word Artist Competition. I would like to thank Motown for giving us a platform and an opportunity to share our Motown inspired poems. That being said, I'm gonna share you with you my poem. It's called Elegy from My Grandmother, The Day Motown Taught Me to Grieve. My grandmother wore Motown on her hips like inner city blues, a rebellion of freedom and joy and pain, a revival like quicksand having a talk with God, songs in the key of life at her fingertips, her body, a pulpit and testimony, amen. She inspired smoky temptations and miracles with her curves. I loved watching her move, her feet devoted to medley, a mysterious black jewel, a love child who encouraged future memories, tainted loves, ladies who sang the blues, music that healed the soul. Imagine a perfect pitch on an imperfect day, imagine a descendant of Eve breathing life into a child's bones. Imagine black girl joy and revolution translated into movement and music and everything Woodward cruising. My grandmother believed that Motown could heal her soul, believed dancing in the streets of Detroit encouraged rebellion in a time where women like her were expected to carry the burden of being brown and female and not complain. She encouraged me to find my own rebellion, find a place in the sun, plant my seed and grow and grow. Told me Motown was how concrete loved you back in a land of a thousand dances where brown skinned girls occupied their ancestors joy in their hips and discovered love. You see at 17, she married a son of a preacher man, my grandfather, who kept dreaming and dreaming and living just enough for the city. He tried to break her Mustang Sally, but she kept dancing and dancing and dancing. She made me believe that a song and dance could cure anything, especially the day I had to live without her. Motown was all I needed to get by, but baby, ain't nothing like the real thing. Thank you. Let's put some claps in the let's put some claps in the chat for Kelly May's native child. Let's put a lot of claps in the chat for that beautiful, beautiful poem that she wrote, dedicated to her grandmother. Um. Yesterday's show that I did, um, I kind of talked about a little bit about what happened. I may um, talk a little bit about what happened, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring in my 
expert first this time because I, again, I showed y'all my little disclaimer. I'm by no way an expert. Um, yeah, keep them claps coming. Keep all the claps coming for uh, Kelly Mae's native child as she shared with us a very vulnerable poem about her grandmother. And um, yeah, it's all right to keep them claps coming. So I'm going to bring in someone that many of you probably know, but some of you may not know. And um, this person is kind of a family member to me, although we're, who knows if we're blood related, we might be you never know in this American project. But um, I'm friends with her sister because we, we went to Howard together. Her whole family are healers. They're all just like amazing, magical, healing people. And uh, I am friends with her other sister through the arts and culture movement and music world and just Detroit community and being friends with her other sister and any hootie rooty tootie, you probably know her mom who is just loving and amazing. And as she comes in, I'm just very honored that she wanted to be a part of this broadcast because number one, we need her and we need her more now than ever. And the services that she provides helps us to transform that grief. And Detroit hip-hop community, poetry community, community in general, our community is in deep grief in this moment. And this person is a healer, has developed some unique healing um, modality combinations has been doing yoga and mixing it with other modalities and spirit medicines and has just been doing such a wonderful job um, helping to heal Detroit. So without further ado, I would please like to bring up Miss uh, Lisa Hillary Johnson um, to the stage. Peace, peace, peace. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Can you hear me? Can you hear me, Lisa? Let me see. Okay, there you go. Peace. How are you, Piper? I'm good. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, I hear you. So I wanted to. uh, Yeah, I I can can hear hear you. you. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Nope. She. You got me. Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes, yes, the massage queen that did the massages on our retreat. That's that's. (laughs) Yes, Kelly. This is repeating. I can hear you. Yeah, but I'm, I was on a delay, so it was everything was repeating. Okay. Are you on a computer and a phone? Two. Are you on two devices? I'm gonna. I'm on a. Oh, should I get off? I have a. I have a mic. Yeah. Should I turn my mic off? Uh no. Sometimes. Um, it's delayed. It's delayed. 
should take this off. Mm-hmm. Wait. Okay, wait. Is that better? Yeah. Okay, can you hear me? Is that better? Yeah, can you hear me? Okay, yeah, I got you. Okay, okay. So I gave like a, I gave like a little intro. Like I said, some many people probably know you, but there are probably some people who don't know you. So I know that you've been doing healing. Is it 20 years now? Um, it's actually over 20. I think I did the mass like 23 years now. Right, right, right. Yeah. About 23 years. About 23 years, right? And I know for me, I know you've been doing yoga. I know you do massage. I know you've been working with the mushrooms. I know you've been um, helping other people do a lot of things. And so I want you to talk about some of the work that you do so that people understand your qualifications to have this conversation. And also to, um, within that, talk about the um, the grant that you got to do this, the new grant you got to do some of this work. Thank and you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... Uh, give you the solo stage while you talk. Okay. Um, well, my name is Lisa Hillary Johnson, and I've been a licensed massage therapist for over 23 years. And so on top of that, my title is actually a myomassologist, which means that I just don't do massage therapy. Like, I do sound healing, energy healing. I clean chakra. I work with meridians. So a lot of the different energetic things inside of the body that are non-seen, Um, is the area that I really speak to inside of people. Um, On top of that, I've been practicing yoga for over 20 years, and I've been teaching for about 12 years now. And I also run yoga teacher training programs, but they're actually called yoga teacher training and healing programs because it's also very hard to be able to teach to people that are not well, like inside of themselves. And then I have a nonprofit organization for the sexual assault of black women. It's called Deep Breaths and Heal. And I received a grant um, that runs for two and a half years. And I run three-month healing cohorts. So what that means is I take 13 women, 13 black women, because this is a culturally specific program. And all you have to say is that you have been sexually assaulted. And in that program, you receive a massage once a month. Uh, We attend a yoga class one day a week, and then we have a sister circle. But the sister circle isn't about, like, talking or um, communicating or group therapy, but we do different healing modalities. Um, I'm an ear ear auricular acupuncturist as well, and I have a team of people that we work with. Um, It's probably about five or six of us that are trained. And so through that, um, every Sunday that we meet, twice a month, there's acupuncture. But then um, I bring other guests in to do such things like a face mapping to be able to tell and look on your face to see if you're, how your body is doing. We do reflexology, sound healing, energy healing. So every month within that three months is a different healing modality. And then we have found that in black women that this is necessary because our trauma is so great. It's so insurmountable for us to really handle that we have to heal in doses like that. So um, anytime I work on someone, it's just about the doses. And I think that's it, Piper. But I'm a mom <laughs> and I'm raising children. But yes, my whole life has been dedicated to healing. So <clears throat> I want to do this and um, I'm going to be vulnerable, right? Like I'm not going to sit here and pretend like, I know what to do or I have all the answers. Right. Um, I want to just acknowledge that in this moment, I don't know what to do. Right. And I don't actually have any answers. Um, 
And I think a lot of our community is feeling that way. So I'm wondering, so I did a podcast yesterday on my Women in Hip Hop podcast where I kind of talked about things. But since I do have a healing professional, I I have a lot of questions and stuff that are here. And I'm going to kind of lean on you. Absolutely. Like, how should we enter in this podcast even having this conversation? Um, truthfully, Piper, I think we should meditate first. Okay. Deep breaths. Okay. You know, to kind of clear the space and the energy so everyone is calm. And I can just take us through like a minute or two just to kind of bring down people's nervous systems before we even begin to have the conversation because our nervous systems are so overworked right now. So mm-hmm. I ask everyone that's listening and that can see us is just to really find a comfortable space for yourself, whether if you're in your car or you're on your living room floor or sitting in your garage. But just bring your body to an upright position and take the crown of your head and just raise it up towards the sky begin to soften your eyes like if it feels comfortable for you and first taking a deep inhale in to raise your lungs and your chest like everything you feel it getting bigger fatter like expanding and exhale just decrease the lungs and the chest just let everything come back down and the second breath bring it just a little fuller and then open up your mouth for here and open up the mouth to, that's an audible exhale. So you want to feel it like physically coming out of you. And we're going to take a few more, a full inhale in. And exhale, bring this breath out of you again. And finally, place your left hand on the center of your chest and your right hand right at the top of your belly. And I ask that you just send yourself so much love and so much healing energy as we take this last breath together. Full inhale in. Exhale, release it out. And now just taking your time and laying your hands back on your lap where it might even feel better to keep your hands on your chest. And then when you're ready, just to open up your eyes. And we can begin the conversation we need to have. So first of all, thank you for that. And again, I'm going to throw up one more time in case people were late. I'm going to roll back up this disclaimer because I do want to allow people who do not want to listen in this moment. I want to allow you um, to be able to leave. You know, because I think that that's also self-care. So we want to emphasize that this episode of Piper Carter podcast contains sensitive content that may be triggering for some listeners. So if you or someone you know is experiencing intimate partner violence, please seek help immediately. Um, I am not a professional in the field, so please reach out to qualified organizations and professionals for assistance. And I'm going to, I have Lisa's contact info in the chat. And then she sent me a list of resources. I'm going to make sure that I put that up. So this conversation, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to frame it because some people may be coming to this and may not know what we're talking about, right? 
Um, so our beloved sister, friend, daughter, comrade, community member, artist, um, counselor, Kelly Mays, native child, who um, gave so much of herself consistently to others to support them in their time of trauma and struggle with their bout against domestic violence. And unfortunately, she was murdered. Her husband is accused. It's an open case, so we're on the internet. I have to say it in that way. And um, it ha- he was a person in the hip-hop community, very beloved, worked in the community, worked with a lot of youth, had what people would call a decent kind of successful rap career. It, it, it shocked the hip-hop community because people didn't, didn't see this of him. And, and, and what people did see of them publicly was a lot of love and a lot of, um, you know, uh, what would you call it? Um, emotional um, beauty. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we did, we, like what we saw was like this loving couple that was, you know, so much in love. And, and, um, and so as we're learning, he was a, abusing her allegedly in in secret. So she was holding on to that in silence as a domestic violence counselor, as she was helping others, she was, it was something she was actively going through in that moment. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a shock. It's a horror because of the nature, right. Of how she was murdered. You can look the case up if you're interested in the details and Everyone in the community is confused because people are trying to figure out, like, why didn't I know this about him? Why didn't I know this about her? What, like, what did I do wrong? Where did I go wrong? How, you know, how could I have supported? There's a lot of guilt in community, but then there's also the, like, ignorance parts and I don't really want to address the ignorant parts like I don't want to give that so much energy but I do want to acknowledge that in our community some of the ignorance is not malicious some of it is a you know regular ignorance and so I'm wondering can you is there a clinical or professional or you know I mean I'm not asking you to make sense of it because this doesn't make any sense there's no it's nonsensical so we can't make sense of something that just doesn't make sense. But maybe, maybe, you know, was there a collective community, like, as the community, like, was there something we could have or should have done? Or is that not the right question? So anyway, I'm going to land the plane there for that question. Yeah. Um, Well, it's hard to do something as a community if you don't know. 
you know, and then a lot, a lot what happens with women, but specifically black women, is that we're always just taught to be so strong in those spaces and no, not even knowing how long she has been going through this. And then if I say something, what do I say? Who do I tell? What's going to happen? And then for us, for whatever reason, culturally, no matter what black men do to us, we still protect black men. We don't want black men to go to jail because if I call the police on this black man, then something else tragic can happen. And so for us, it's us keeping the secrets, because if I say something, who do I tell this to? And then who are you going to tell this to? So it's out of fear. And as a community, I know the guilt is overwhelming because there is so much love. But the guilt, if you're not able to share in that space and to have those conversations, it's like you could have done nothing if you knew nothing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So I ask for you specifically just as an activist, a community healer, and anyone else that holds that space of it to remove that guilt from you because you just didn't know. You know, and had you known, you would have done something. So the first thing is to just remove the guilt for yourselves. And then I encourage every woman, whether no matter what color you are, to speak up to go to the police station, to say something, to not worry about what's going to happen to this black man if he happens to get arrested and the police happen to kill him in jail because that's our last thing that we really want to happen. So we would rather take it. And then if I have children under that, how am I going to explain this? What is he going to say? So there's always this fear. And how come we also deal with a lot of victim blaming? Like, well, why didn't the woman speak up? Because in that moment you're caught. What am I supposed to say? Which I know she would an amazing advocate fighting for her life. Do you understand that? So like yeah. this push, this goal, this goal, the drive was probably keeping her even more going because I have to make this stop. I have to save myself in it. Did that help to answer that? Some type of yeah, I want to, I want to play a poem. Then, mm-hmm. and, and um, that, that, that she did. And when you say that, um, I have some of her poems, um, I want to play uh, this poem here. Um, again, let me just go on ahead and play this one more time. Because this this is a poem that Kelly is going to do. It's called Precipice. And there's some triggering. In, uh, she's going to talk about what, ha- what happened to her. So I just want to make sure that, um, you know, if, if folks aren't ready. Okay. The first words my daughter ever learned was, Daddy, no. At 13 months, she watched as I fell into the precipice of a Greek tragedy. I, Persephone, her father, Hades. By the time she was five, she had learned to scream no louder than a whisper and repeat the clever lies I taught her to believe that black girls and black eyes were synonyms. She had learned to tuck her tears into places her father could not find what scars and what scarves accessorized best the morning after Armageddon. Safety plans became like fire drills That's why she would hide in the back of her first grade classroom every time she would have one better to burn than face the devil. 
when she was seven. I overheard her praying, telling God that she hoped she'd never grow up to be like me, that she wasn't sure if her father would kill me or my depression. Either way, she knew what dress I would wear and how to comb my hair when they buried me. I left her father that same year and cut that tree down we used to hide under every time that monster would come out from under her bed. Next year will mark that 10th year since I left her father. And her sister, her sister who's only five, can't understand why we go back to that same tree stump every year to count the rings. But you see, I know my baby is still afraid of fire drills. And I, I have yet to throw away my scarves. It is said that one in three women will experience violence in their lifetime. I have two daughters, both who have inherited my eyes. I want people to put hearts in the chat. Can y'all just put a bunch of hearts in the chat, please? Everybody just put hearts in the chat. Just flood the chat with hearts, please, please, please. So that, what she was talking about was she was a already a domestic violence survivor. So she, you know, that was her previous relationship. And um, her, her daughter actually found her. And I want to send her daughter some love because she said online that she touched her foot and it was cold. And so um, if you go to the, the description of this video, you can support her daughter, her family. Um, there's um, a cash app, a Venmo, a meal train. Those are the ways I got those directly from her family. So those are the ways that they prefer for us to please support support them. So um, if you're wondering something you can do, let's do that immediately. And um, I'm going to turn it to you, Lisa. Um, to you know, I'm, I have questions and things, but I want to lean on you because you're here. Gotcha. And yeah, so I just want to turn it back to you in her poem and it's so unfortunate because so many women go through multiple domestic violence situations with multiple partners, multiple sexual assault times. And many times it's, it's not that it's intimate partner violence, it's domestic violence, it's sexual assault, it's all of those things. But for whatever reason, that becomes a normal pattern of behavior, that type of characteristic, you know, from it in a place that you still feel safe in for whatever reason, you know, maybe not being able to establish or to get you out or there's something that you feel off of that person. So I say again, like if this is you and if you are listening and if you find yourself in any situation, none of this is normal. It's not okay for anyone to put their hands on you. It's not okay for anyone to be screaming at you at these volatile temperatures like that. It's not okay for you to be fearful of anyone that you are in an intimate or any other type of relationship in. That does not, it's not okay to belittle someone. And then two, when people are like that, then they have the control thing, then they break a woman down 
internally. So a lot of times, even as women, we present so well. You know, so the hair, the outfit, the clothes, everything looks so good because we are presenting so well. But on the inside, it's like a death on the inside, which is why no one can see it, because everything is together. But you have to do that or you're going to lose it. Right. Like you have to be able to have some form of control over yourself or some type of dignity about yourself, but still not able to truly express yourself. So this is the energy, the heart. So whether wherever it came from, from childhood, from later in life, from consistently having these relationships with people, to us normalizing that these relationships are okay, to us looking around to with a group of friends and everyone in our friend group is dealing with the exact same thing that we're dealing with, then we feel as though these things are normal. Oh, well, he hits me too, or he pushes me too, or he calls me out of my name as well. Whereas though none of those things should be normalized in any type of situation. I want to, part, so all of it is difficult. Yes. One, I named about one part of the difficulty in that, I'm not going to say all the community, but much of the community, you know, he was like beloved, right? I think another, what I see online and what is triggering to the family is um and 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 it's interesting because it's difficult because community members have empathy, right? So he had a car accident a couple of years ago, suffered it in a closed head injury. And so um this although so I've spoken to a lot of men in the community that are in the hip hop community asking them to please speak up or, you know, come online and say something, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of the men say they feel uncomfortable to speak because they were his friend and they um, don't know what to say and they're angry with him as well and they, they loved her and it's this whole thing, right? And at the same time, a lot of the fellas are like, well, he had a closed head injury and so um, anyway, I'll just land the plane there. So I wanted to throw that. Like that's, you know, throw that back to you. And multiple things can be true at the same time. He can be an amazing human being and an abuser as well. Right. He can be an amazing person. He can be an activist in the community. You can be an amazing father. You can be an amazing co-worker. You can be an amazing friend. And you can also be a horrible spouse all at the same time. And then it's unfortunate for men because as though they may feel as though, well, what am I supposed to say in this space? You're supposed to speak up because these are women and these are mothers and these are daughters. And what if this was your mother or your daughter? We're not protecting anyone anymore, Piper. None of these things should be normalized and be okay. Everyone should be outraged and everyone should be saying something about this. It shouldn't be keep sweeping anything under the rug. There's nothing to sweep. Now, could the closed head injury have something to do with it? Absolutely, positively. And there's no denying in that, that being a real conversation. But as we don't have any real details as how things went, but we do know that closed head injuries make people become totally different people. So he can still be a good person in the community, have a closed head injury and still be a murderer all at the same time. 
And I think that's hard for us because those things are layered, you know, with people. And we we, we don't want to see that and we don't want to see the layers because this is my person, but this is my friend. And right is right and wrong is wrong. And it's a horrible thing if the brain comes over and controls in that. And for that, people do need help, right? So if this is a closed head injury, people need help, like real neurological, with doctors, with the team of physicians to get well, because some things may not be your fault at all. And that is true, too. But what is also true is for a woman to be treated like that under any circumstances is also not okay. So however people would like to slice it or put it, I get it, I'm for it, I understand it. And as a community, not just us, but in many other communities, we find a reason to still protect people. You know, we and I don't know why we do it, Piper. You know, it's like maybe I don't want to go off or I don't want to have that conversation or I don't want to say this about him or I don't want to say this about her and these conflicting stories on the inside of you. And I get that, too. And it doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't mean that you have to say something, but it does mean that a change needs to happen because this is happening too frequently in our community. Every time our organization runs a cohort, I have an overwhelming response of people that have been sexually assaulted that are black women that I don't even have enough time and enough money right now. I need more grants. I could run five programs, 10 programs at the same time and not be able to take care of sexually assaulted women. And the same thing with our locally local organizations for our domestic violence organizations. These stations can run 24 hours a day. And many of these women continue to stay up and work in this space. And we still cannot do it. So we have to speak up and say something, whether we think it's wrong or not. I want <clears throat> to thank you for that. First of all, I do want to say Kalima Johnson is in the um, chat and Sasha Center is one of the organizations who centers black women identify people who are survivors of sexual assault in a very in a culturally relevant way and she also has groups that she uh organizes around helping people process and thrive and um where she uses art and beauty and love to help to help as well and so i just wanted to um put her uh comment in the 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 chat as well that um men have said in the community that um he had issues before the accident and so um so that's a thing, right? So let's talk about that. Let's talk about that part. Can you yeah. elaborate on that part? Because I'm going to say like uh, that also. So just like how she, you know, was secret and keeping it, he was secret, right? Because what we saw of him, when I say we, I'm talking about like, the public like the like his so-called friends and community right the hip-hop community what we saw of him was this person that was you know um helping the kids and helping the women and you know very chivalrous and you know out there defending women and i think that for the the community and i'm gonna say a lot of the women in the hip-hop community or just 
you know, people that I've spoken to, even some of the fellas that I've spoken to, a lot of folks are like, I never saw this from him. But there are people who did see it from him. So I wanted to know if you could like maybe speak to that part. Yeah, you know, it's still men protect men most of the time. You know, it's an unfortunate thing because either A, if these men that did see it before in these situations, why didn't they say something? Why didn't they speak up? Why did they choose to normalize it? Or were they living the same lives as them? And me not knowing any of these situations, just giving the reasons why people don't speak up in those spaces. And because they feel like it's okay if if guys do that. And then two, older school thinking people also think that it's appropriate for you. Like that's how you keep a woman in line. You know, it's this old, I'm going to say Southern from the South and actually all of these things. My mother states like go back to slavery, like these beatings and these whoopings and, and, and those types of things. Whereas we feel we have to keep somebody in line and if it's okay she she left us for a second i think it was an accident i'm gonna play another poem but before while she tries to come back so while while she tries, while she's coming back, I'm going to play the disclaimer again. And I'm putting up this this disclaimer because I want to play another one of her poems. And this poem is a poem that she did a lot of slams with. And there's if you go online, there's different versions of the poem. I like this version because it has the music bed under it. I do want to give a trigger warning that um, it that she talks about um, suicide. So um, this poem she calls um, funny. Trigger warning. This poem was meant to be funny. I tried to think funny. Be funny. Channel my inner comedian write funny across a page funny. Like that time I broke my arm running from a squirrel. True story. (laughs) Funny. I thought it was chasing me. Funny. It really wasn't funny. I still believe the squirrel apocalypse is a thing. Funny. Like that time a boy called me fat. When I told him I thought he was cute. I kept the joke going. Kept his homeboys laughing. Kept my waistline expanding inside the punchline hoping they wouldn't notice. It really wasn't funny. At that time, I lost my wallet. I found myself at the grocery store cart full of baby formula. Funny. Nice lady paid. Funny. I really didn't lose my wallet. Funny. I didn't have enough money to fill my car and my child's belly. Funny how life is. Keep writing. You will get to funny. Keep laughing. Laughter is the only thing that will make this poem funny. At that time, I wrote my first haiku below the wall of my college dorm. Funny. It was actually a suicide note. Funny. No one noticed. They say the ones that laugh the most laugh the least. Robin Williams. Anthony Bourdain. My cousin. Me. They say laughter is the best medicine. If I keep writing, maybe I'll be cured. If I keep laughing, maybe I'll be cured after all. 
halfway to a home. A prayer. A suicide note. A punchline. Y'all, let's flood the chat again for Kelly May's native child. I want y'all to put, say her name, and I want y'all to put Kelly May's native child in the chat, please. And I'm going to, um, while y'all do that, I want to bring um, Lisa back up, and I want you to continue what you were saying. And as you're speaking, can y'all please put Kelly May's native child, put her name in the chat, please. In her poems, too, listening to that, Piper, it, she sounds so passionate about it. And like those are real words. I have to keep on laughing because this isn't funny, but this is the only thing that's going to be funny and keep me going if I'm laughing. Like convincing herself, talking to herself. That's what it, how I'm viewing it, telling herself, letting, reassuring herself, letting her know that it's going to be okay. But in that, speaking about the men in the situation, no man should stand by and watch a woman get abused under any circumstance. Like, and I understand, and if there's a thing of woman hitting men, there's a certain thing of restraint or restraining. But there shouldn't be a hitting, a beating, a whooping, a putting down, a pulling a gun, a pulling any knives, nothing on anyone. And standing by watching that, it's just not okay. But again, as human beings, we have normalized it because this is what so many of us grew up watching, grew up with the singing, grew up with the saying these things. So this is our level of trauma. But if something doesn't do, somebody doesn't do something like groundbreaking, earth shaking, like this is going to continue to happen. And then, like she said in her other poem, and then we pass these traits down onto our children and then our children's children. And then they normalize these things. There has to be a fighting, a system, a revolution of stop the abuse, like stop killing us. Like, I know there's a thing. It's always like protect black women, protect black women, like protect us, but stop killing us as well. Stop hurting us. Stop abusing us. And stop looking the other way just to make yourself feel more comfortable. And because it is uncomfortable to have these conversations, it is uncomfortable to say these things to your colleagues, to your friends. It is uncomfortable to say this to your boss. It is uncomfortable for people that hold these major positions that people have so much love and support and look up to. It's hard to say that to bring them down as you're doing something wrong. But I ask you morally, if this was your mother, if this was your child, if this was your daughter, if this was your sister, if this was your auntie, if this was any woman in the world that you looked up to like this, that could be her. And for that reason alone, it needs to be stopped. Let's, I love Kalima put stop killing us in the chat. Let's everybody put stop killing us in the chat, please. Everybody flood the chat with stop killing us. I want <clears throat> to dig deeper into that part right there because... Again, like I said, online, it's been radio silent. I mean, fortunately, people have been sharing the ways to support her family. Keep sharing that. And no one's talking about it. So what are the it's? that we actually need to be talking about. We've, 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 we've 
covered a couple of the it's. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I do want to go back to you know lifting her up and her work. And before we go there, I just want us to get to some more of these. Like, what are these things that we're not talking about? We're not talking about that black women are walking around every day with scars that you cannot see. We're not having these real conversations. We're not talking about, we're just calling us angry black woman, or she has an attitude, or she has this. But the real problem is, is I'm bearing the world on my shoulders, and I'm also dealing with an abusive spouse, whatever partner at home that I have to find this through. We need to have those conversations. It needs to be normalized that you can turn around and tell your coworker, that you can tell your sister, that you can tell your friend, that you can tell your father, he hit me, she hit me. They're putting hands on me. They spoke to me in an inappropriate way. No more closing our throats. All these conversations need to be normalized. We don't need to be looked at that there's something wrong with it. It's okay to look at someone and go, I need help. Can you help me? Can you take me to the police station? Can you call 911 for me? All of those conversations should be had. Another conversation that should be had is men talking to men and women talking to women. Men need to say, hey, you shouldn't do that to her. Let me stop you. Don't treat your spouse like this. Don't treat your partner like that. It's not okay to put your hands on people. All, every single thing I have said tonight, we need to talk about it like we talk about the fucking birds in the trees and that the grass is green. Everybody needs to have these real conversations because when all of these programs in the area, and I believe it's probably, I think it's seven us, seven of us, and Kalima will tell me for sure in the chat if she can check, that also received the same grants that we received. And our programs are, have an overwhelming response of participants that is hard for us to fill it. And the fact that that's on that side and we can't get on here and have these conversations with people is ungodly. Like, it's it's ridiculous because it's happening. It's a pandemic. It's an epidemic. And it's out of control. And in most of the households that you're in, it could be your teacher, your student, your child. Even teenagers are going through this and men watching their mothers being abused in this way. Then more times more likely to grow up and to be abusers in that same light. So we need to be having those conversations where the mother looks at the son. You don't do this. The father and the uncle step in. Let me take him. You don't do that. Removing people from homes that are being abused and not turning our heads. It should be a a crime to turn your head if you see that happening to someone, someone getting abused and you just turn your head and walk away. Have those conversations with people. I want to, Kalima's put in some great, um, there's a few things I want us to touch on let's just start here men need to talk to men can we start so yes i have like i said i have reached out to certain men in the hip-hop community mm-hmm. and they've told me that they don't feel comfortable um, talking about it online. They don't know what to say. They um, don't feel that they'll be understood. Um, anyway, these are some of the things that some of them are telling me. I wanted to throw that like back to you. Yeah, and I guess my question too just is like, 
what don't you feel comfortable talking about in that? And these are the conversations we need to keep having with each other is that you don't know what to say that this is wrong, that this is a horrible thing that's happening, um, that you don't want to shame another fellow brother, that you don't want to shame another fellow black man. You know, is that what you don't want to say? Is it that you don't want your name attached to this? Because then maybe people will say things about you that you don't want to be said about you on any level that that may be on. You know, so this, again, is this protecting. And I, I don't know. I don't want to feel like it's a white, like it's, it feels like the good old boys club, you know, on whatever level you say that. And when people would say that before, like it's a good old boys club. Like, so whatever happens over here, this is what we're going to be dealing with over here. So I encourage and say to these men ever listening, if they listen, like open your mouths. And what those things that they feel uncomfortable with is I don't want to say this or I don't want to offend or I don't want to be looked at like that because no one's revolutionary. Everybody is so weak minded in this space and in the place that they just it's better to tuck your head and run than it is to stand up and speak. But we need more people that are speak up. That's why it's one or two or three community activists. But it's a whole gang of hood people. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like we need to have a whole community that is waking up and speaking up because we could be saving lives by the second. Sorry, I'm getting very emotional about this. It's an emotional thing. Um, this part here about this fear of retaliation. And it's. Also women, right? Because women can also be the, like you spoke before about the, how we like to protect. So even in the hip hop community, I don't see the women in hip hop talking about it. I see, I see even the women in hip hop not wanting to talk about it and just talking about something else. And I'm going to be honest with you. <clears throat> I felt fear in my body. Mm-hmm about bringing this conversation to the internet because of how close I am to a lot of people. I feared retaliation. I had, I have a lot of fear in my body about that. And I told Kalima, like, but I, my heart feels compelled. Like I have a podcast platform. I can't be silent. Like, I'm feeling the fear, and I got to, like, and I got to acknowledge publicly, like, I don't know how to deal with this. I never dealt, I never seen or experienced nothing like this before. You know, not this, you know, maybe other traumas. Not this specifically where all all the things that we named before, right? And... Fortunately, I know people like you. I know people like Kalima and others who do this culturally relevant um, African spirituality infused, um, trauma informed, um, empathetic healing that allows it allows folks to process and transmute and you bring in the art and the beauty, and the joy, and the laughter, and the music. And it's like 70 of y'all. <laughs> or, you know, and Detroit is the one of the blackest city. So that means our numbers are through the roof. Right. And how can we get people to y'all? How do we get people to y'all and people don't even, like, want to acknowledge their... their 
maybe initially, because what I saw online, you know, from, and I'm going to speak for the hip hop community. What I saw online on women in hip hop and the dudes was like, um, no words, no words. Or so sad. What I did not see was, you know, I'm shocked. I'm confused. I, I don't know what to do. I need to do something. I want to help. You know, I need help. I don't know what's going on. I feel like that, at least in hip hop culture, that not knowing is a that 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 bravado, the machismo, the toxic patriarchy, or the toxic or the patriarchy and the toxic masculinity. It's not just in the lyrics and the grabbing on their thing to like tell their story. You know what I mean? Like it's a whole thing where even the women in hip hop are doing it, if that makes sense. And I wanted to know, could you speak to that part a little bit? Yeah, because it's easier to shut up. You know, it's easier for people not to get involved. And then, you know, you could be dealing with a couple of numerous different things. One, if this is someone else's story, it may be giving them triggers and traumas. So they may not even have anything to say, but I don't have any words. Two, these can be people that are operating in the same type of light or type of space or type of energy. So what am I supposed to say if I'm looking at myself in the mirror? You know, so I don't have anything to say at all. And it's easier to turn your head and not do anything. We have watched people on TV be, be murdered while other people stood there and absolutely did nothing but turn their head because they don't want to get involved in the situation. But there's no way to create change unless everyone, unless somebody gets involved. There has to be someone, there has to be someone to break through and bust through those lines and do it. But I do get it. I do get it because people are silent. Nobody wants to open up their mouths and everybody wants to sweep everything in the rug. And if I act like this doesn't happen and the only time that we make it impactful for that is if it happens to us. So that wasn't my mom. That wasn't my auntie. That wasn't my cousin. But what happens when it is yours? Will you say something then? You know, is, is this still a time to be silent in this? Because in this situation of all of us, culturally, we're all one. We already, Black people already have to deal with the separation of the community, of racism, of city to city. And Michigan is so segregated in all of those spaces that it's hard for us to even stick together as a unit. And so these silent miles and these silent convos and all of these things that can be happening to them internally, where it's trauma, fear, regret, what if something's going to happen? What are they going to do? And so I'm just going to be quiet and then post a picture of me at the club last night. It's bullshit, Piper. It's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like I want to play another poem because I do want to talk about her advocacy. Yes. I want to I wanna talk about how she was doing this work while she was suffering. And was loving on people and standing in the gap, as they say, while she was catching all the hell. Mm -hmm. um, I have two more poems of hers. I'm going to play one. I'm going to put my disclaimer up because this one gets, because I want to end on this other one that I think is, I want to end on the one that's a little, it's a little dark, but it's not as dark as these. And this one is super dark. So I'm going to put my disclaimer back up. 
Um, we're going to talk about some sensitive content that may be triggering. So, um, yeah. Okay. Uh, all right, here we go. This is um, Kelly May's native child. She told me at age nine she wasn't going to leave her husband. That's when it all began. That woman whose womb I once knew, she said we all had to make sacrifices. After all, she had wanted a boy and that man, her husband, my father, had wanted a pretty wife. She told me at age ten she wasn't going to leave her husband. As I lay bloodied, wrapped in soiled white linen, she said we all had to make sacrifices. You see, that man, her husband, my father, thought at time I'd become a woman. Thought at best he'd teach me, thought that I should do the things my mother wouldn't. He said we all had to make sacrifices. She told me at age 16 she wasn't going to leave her husband. As I pleaded with her to help me remove this unnatural thing growing inside me, this unnatural thing that that man, her husband, my father, had so carelessly placed. I was so scared then, but I knew I had to make another sacrifice. She told me at age 24, whores don't wear white dresses. They wear white linens soiled with the blood of their dying innocence. Soiled by a mother who sacrificed her womb but got a girl instead. But you see, mother, this white dress is stained. Soiled by a mother whose womb I once knew. Soiled by a mother who... You got it, you got it. Soiled by a mother who sacrificed her only daughter's innocence for security and selfish gain. But you see, you told me you weren't going to leave your husband. That we all had to make sacrifices. But this, this right here, will be the last sacrifice that I make. Come on now. Come on now. Ashe, can we just put Kelly Mays matter, native child matter? Can we just flood the chat? Everybody put that, please. Kelly Mays matter, native child matter. Please just flood the chat. Please flood the chat with that. I just, so I want to uplift her. And her legacy and her work. Um, so she was also a poet. And and her words. Oh my goodness. Her, she was a slam poet. She used to win a lot. She was featured on um, the Button um, Poetry Slams. She, um, man, she's a brilliant writer. I mean, what a beautiful soul she was full of laughter i was saying um that how i initially uh connected with her me and mahogany were doing this domestic violence awareness event that we used to do together um and oh and just in this moment i just want to honor for those who are coming 
the there is a difference between domestic partner violence or intimate partner violence and sexual assault. Although sometimes or many times people that experience sexual assault are also experience um, domestic partner violence. And sometimes people who are experiencing domestic partner violence are experiencing sexual assault. Not absolutely always, but many times. And so there is a sexual assault awareness month that's in April and there's a domestic violence awareness month that's in October. So we, we used to do events together for both, but I met Kelly cause we were doing ours in October and um, Mahogany and I were just like, we're going to do this event. It's going to be so cool. We're going to support, you know, survivors and raise money for, you know, Sasha's, you know, not Sasha center, um, safe and these different orgs and things. And, uh, so we had like panelists and we had, um, you know, that had, uh, were either counselors or had, you know, lived experience. We had like music and food. And then we had, um, you know, uh, a, this huge pinata. It was like a, a million foot, like, uh, purple or lavender, or whatever, like pinata, right? And we were like, okay, well, they're put on a blindfold and then they can like, beat back like you know the domestic violence and kelly came up to me in mahogany like while we were doing that and they were and she was like it was called denim day thank you yes oh and we did and we did give money to sasha center too okay thanks thanks kalima we did give money it was called denim day and um we did we did and so uh she came up to us and was like you know um she was so kind that pinata, are y'all sure about that? <laughs> we were like, yeah, because you're going to beat back, you know, the abuser. She was like, yeah, let me tell you, like, that could be very triggering to someone. And we were like, really? And she's like, yeah. So she was like, you know, you, you know, you guys need to have like, in your event, you just need to have like a room that could have like a candle and some soft music. And then someone can, you know, somebody could talk to in case people get triggered. And I was like, okay, cool. That sounds cool. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, well, when we do this again, we'll have that. She ran to her car and got some aromatherapy, something, some candles and some pillows and some more stuff. And she found a room and she was like can I do the room here I said is will it work she's like yeah and she just set up the room and sat there and was like I'll be here if people need support and there happened to be a couple of people who do who did actually need that support and came to me later and thanked me and I just had to let them know <laughs> like I didn't do I that was all her <laughs> like that was all that was not me that was her because I brought you the pinata <laughs> but um you know, so she was like that, you know what I mean? And we became friends after that. And um, later, like some years later, she was doing this Women of Color poetry series. And she was like, I want you to host this with me. So it's like women in hip hop and women in poetry. And we'll do this together. And I was like, let's do it. So we did it at this barbershop in the hood. And it was so cool. And we did this whole like poetry series 
together. I think was it like two months or three months? I don't remember. I think it was like a season. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so she was just like really cool and just beautiful and you know, yeah, she was clutch for that. <laughs> Kelly was clutch for that. That was that was great. Um, but I just wanted to share that she was also a mother. You know, and I went back on her Facebook page and I saw just her page and her daughter's page and just like their relationship. And it was so cute, you know. Um, She did a poem dedicated to her. She did another poem dedicated to her daughters that was like super beautiful. And for some reason, I couldn't upload it here. But if you go online, it's called Benta. Um, slash daughters so go there it's a music video and um it's beautiful she had different people from the community i saw ellie san diego is in that video with her daughter native is in there with her mom and her two daughters and then there were some other community members with their daughters and so um yeah that was super beautiful but um she used to come to we used to host poetry at my space that I had at 5e and she used to be in the slams, but she also used to just hang out there. Um, but that's my experience of her. And then, and then I would call her and text her all the time. I looked at my phone and I was like, I saw I had just talked to her like a couple of days before, like three days before I had just, reached out to her to just send her some love and nonsense. <laughs> but um but she's definitely missed. I see uh Tawana's in the chat, also a poetry uh community person. But um yeah I just think it's important to lift up her legacy and and honor her and I wanted to know if, if you wanted to say anything as well. Um, yeah, actually I do. Um, and Piper, thank you for sharing all that, you know, just any, like just keeping her memory alive in it. And I think that's important as well to be able to unpack these things and have these conversations and not that have them be so silent, um, in it. So with you talking it out and I encourage people just on different ways to heal because, because for a lot of women, this could just be triggering for them. You know, maybe this was some of their experiences or having to relieve some of these things. So I always advise people like, let's calm down our nervous systems. Let's go back to what Kelly did. Let's go back to the room she set up. Let's put the pillows in the room. Let's put on some soft music. Let's burn some lavender. And I'm just picking that in my head as an essential oil that she was burning at that time to kind of make some type of peace into that space so people can heal from this and they can begin to understand, or even if it's not understanding, but healing their body from the trauma because also especially as black people inside when the trauma gets stored in our body as women we store it in our wombs or we store it in our organs or we store it in the tissues of our body and then as we deliver children we pass this trauma from generation to generation to generation again with that normalizing of it so seek therapy if this is you and if you if you have in the situation or if you are healing from the situation or if you need to even just discuss these situations like find a counselor talk in some group therapy 
therapy, schedule yourself a massage, you know, get some acupuncture, look for these organizations. Like Piper said, there are seven different organizations that we walk out of that are specifically for black women for domestic violence and sexual assault. She has a list. She's going to post it. I'm going to share it. If you need help on any other type of level, one of these organizations in the city of Detroit can help you. So this is how we grieve. This is how we heal. If there's a counselor, if there's art therapy, if it's massage therapy, if you need shelter, if you need money, if you need a place to stay, if you need money to go through things for your children, for clothes, for whatever that may be, there are shelters in the city of Detroit that can take you. So in that space, I just encourage us to heal heal through it all so then we don't repeat these same experiences that we have seen our friends and our family or our coworkers go through as well. Yeah, thank you for that. I also want to acknowledge, um, <clears throat> again, um, your organization and the work you do just for people who join late. I know they could rewind it back, but since we're here, if people have joined in the middle of the podcast, can you share again, like, you know, what you do? So um, my organization is called Deep Breaths and Heal, and it's specifically for the sexual assault of black women. And we run three-month healing cohorts. So to apply for the program, you just click apply. We never ask you your story. We just ask that you're a black woman that's healing from sexual assault on any level. As part of the three-month healing program, you receive a massage once a month for three months. And then you receive a weekly yoga class and a weekly sister circle with a different healing modality that's infused in it. So in that way, we're always seeing you. On top of that, I forgot to even mention, we have a healing service manager who's available for you 24 hours a day. So if anything comes up for you that you were triggered before class or after class, you contact our healing service manager. Also, in every single one of our classes, we have an advocate. So if something comes up in the sister circle or in your yoga class, we have an advocate in class that will step up and be able to step in the way to give you some support as well. Um, we Our program begins January the 21st, and so so this is our second healing cohort. This will run for three months. We'll take another month of break and then we'll run it up again. But all applications can be at deepbreathsandheal.com. I'll make sure Piper has it, but it's spelled out just like it says, www.deepdeepbreathsandheal.com. I also, <clears throat> thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And also before we go, I do want to, um, address maybe this one. Yeah. And I want to, uh, this one is from also Kalima Johnson, Sasha Center. Uh, we also need to recognize the red flags. So, um, let's, can you help us with that one? Yeah, talking about red flags. Um, there's a controlling thing that has been found common in most sexual assault and domestic violence people, whereas though this need of like having to be in control. So if you feel as though someone is always trying to keep up with your schedule, that always wants to be with you, that if you leave them, that there's some type of fear or retaliation that begins to do things to separate you from your friends and family as though you're isolated from them and making them your only support system inside of that. 
Um, also, if you notice, like if he starts yelling or if they get too close to you, do things feel like they're going to get violent? And most of us as women feel it intuitively, but for whatever reason, we like to just dismiss it off. Like that's not what we feel. So when you feel the relationship changing, the temperament changing, the anger changing, we're not blowing it off like this was just a one-time incident. He didn't really mean it. He only hit me one time. When you see the red flags, those are the things that's going to happen. And in most women, most men just don't come straight out and go boom 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 like this is it it kind of gradually builds up slowly like let me make make myself more in control of you let me control your money let me take you everywhere it is that you need to go let me take you away from your friends no you cannot talk to your family your life is with me don't tell anybody that I did this to you even those types of things is not something that should be ignored under any situation we should always speak up and go you know what that doesn't feel right you know, that doesn't look right. And then knowing that those things will increase later down the line, because generally that's just the scope of it. People don't just go downhill. Once they do this, then they do that. And then you get to the peak of it. And so it just gets worse and worse and worse. So when you feel that on the inside, that first time that you know this isn't right, you should walk away then. Thank you for that. And thanks for helping us with that, um, Kalima. I also want to acknowledge that um, Kalima is going to be doing a series. So um, I'm going to call it maybe political education or um, another thing we talked about is, uh, you know, organizing some of these or getting some of these men to do some groups for men, men with men to speak to one another and, you know, Kalima support them as well as um, Kalima being on the airwaves <laughs> to be able to have a consistent, uh, you know, voice about um, this, you know, red flags and what we need to do and where we need to go and how we need to protect ourselves and all that kind of stuff. So, and I also want to acknowledge that the community of healers and people who support Black women in Detroit is beautiful and amazing. And um, it, like I'm one of those people that probably needs to go, you know, be in the circle, you know? And it's just like, yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> you know? Um, and... You know, that's just like a thing, right? It's like a, I don't know if it's a black person thing or a generational thing or a black woman thing. But it's like, I'll I'll be transparent. It's difficult. I used to go to a lot of therapy growing up, you know, been through a lot of trauma in my youth and got to a certain point in my adulthood. Like, okay, I'm good with that. But there are certain things that I could work on and, and heal. And um, personally, what I'll say is for me, um, what I feel is like, okay, possibly some of the stuff that I didn't see as red flags are because it was so normalized from my childhood and my, you know, um, and 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 that protection i was taught 
that protection, right? So even myself, and I'm I'm like y'all. I do healing work. I work with women and youth and young people, and it's devastating to like not catch that. To like not catch that. Not not to say like that is like my fault, but as a looking to the future, like trying to process like, okay, you know what? There's some more healing that you probably need to be doing so that you, you know, you don't got it all together (laughs) so that you can, you know, heal that stuff so that, you know, you can heal that stuff ultimately. Um, And I think Possibly that's where the the embarrassment comes from is in being like, yeah, you know, I should know this or I don't know, you know what they call an imposter syndrome these days. But it's like a whole thing around like. And as a Gen Xer, it's this whole thing around like what you. Who you should be and who you should be projecting. Right. And it. It's uncomfortable to be like, okay, I need some help. I need some support because it it has a it it can have a feeling as a black woman like I don't work this hard in my career. I don't work this hard in all my stuff. I'm not about to. I'm not saying that I think that. I'm just saying it could be some of that is is down in there somewhere. If that makes sense. No, like it totally makes sense, and it's why we're in the situation that we're in. You know, because we feel as though because it's black women that we're supposed to have it all together, that we're supposed to keep it together. But the truth is, is that trauma is ongoing. And on top of that, then you can get triggered from other traumas that happen. And then as black women, we're going through the same traumas or experience trauma like the next day. Like it takes you one second to get traumatized and it takes you the entire rest of your life if you get untraumatized from that situation. It only takes one incident. And for us as black people, depending on where we grew up, depending on where we raised us, some of our neighborhoods were already more zones in that space. And again, us normalizing that in that in that space as well. But then Piper, I want to say just you really speaking on that fact of people thinking like, I have it together and they don't like as much healing work as I do for myself. I do multiple healing modalities every single day on myself. I take care of myself and my body and my mind. You want to know why? Because I've been through one freaking billion month worth of trauma and I'm speaking to traumatized people. And I never know what's going to come up that I get triggered that I think I'm supposed to be healed from. So that should be your goal every day is not thinking as though I have it all together or I've reached this space, I should have it. No, it should be that I'm taking care of my body, my mind, and my spirit every single day, whatever that looks like. And just some examples, I take a salt bath every day. I sit in some Epsom salt. You know, I know you practice yoga to help to bring the body down. Meditation, these should be daily practices. A massage, go see a chiropractor, get some foot reflexology, go get some colon hydrotherapy. There are a number of lists and tasks that you can do in that space. And things maybe it's just a foot massage at home some deep breathing and I'm still going to go back and make this Kelly's room going into a room putting some pretty pillows down putting some aromatherapy in there and some soft music 
Like that's a healing modality for yourself. And that's one thing about us with black women a lot of times because we feel like we have something to prove. You know, black women always stand on this thing like I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to be better than the black man or the white woman or and the the white man, you know, and so we're just going to keep and the mindset for us then becomes very militant and maybe more like an alpha male. And it's hard for us to step into that divine feminine energy. So step into your divine feminine energy with it. Take an art class. Do some hula hooping. Do some sacral chakra opening. Do some dry skin brushing. But when you get up every day, you should be healing every day. That should be part of your task. Just like you're going to work, you should be healing every day. Thank you for that part. And then I'm going to say, can you share the other part? Like, how does a person... Mm -hmm. Because a person that's doing those things, right? I'm not saying you're doing all those things, but many of those things, right? Then how does that person say, I need to talk to somebody. I need to, I need, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm lost. I'm, I'm in over my head. Like, I need help. How does a person who, doesn't have that practice or does I'm not saying it's me I'm saying I know that sometimes that's me in an inadvertently and I know some people who are like notches more than me you know what I mean like how does that person put that word in their throat <laughs> I need help yeah. right like yeah um and I think that's the first step, too, is knowing that save yourself first, you know, in it. And it's easier a lot of times to talk to people that you may not know or that don't know you. So I think you should seek out an organization, a counselor, someone that doesn't know you. So you feel like you have to shame your head or put yourself aside in that. But find an organization, a safe space that you can go to. And if it means take me to the manager, take me to your advocate. Look, this is what's going on. I need some help. It's about us not being. And I, I say this like with so much love and so much honor and respect to black women as I'm a black woman and deal with the same thing. But it's not an ego thing. Right. You can can't get yourself out of this like you can't help yourself find this way you don't always know the answers you're not going to ever know the answers and get to the point that I know I need help and be able to stand in that and be comfortable with yourself that's hard for us in order to do that it's hard for us to do it so I ask black women to be vulnerable to open up and to open up your heart and say be vulnerable I gotta live and have this conversation Thank you. And then Kalima says, start small, ask for an accountability partner. Yeah. Um, man, we've been on here for an hour and 30. <laughs> and we probably could be on forever more. But maybe what we should do is do some more stuff together throughout the year. Um, especially around women in hip hop. I want to acknowledge that we did, I did used to have a retreat. I got to bring the retreat back for women in hip hop. And Lisa um, is my massage therapist for my women in hip hop retreat. We got to get a, uh, I, I'm going to have to get another donor to give me the money uh, for for the retreat. But that's, what, that's um, 
I, I told myself I'm bringing the retreat back in 2025. Please. And so um, 2024, I'm looking for the dough so that uh, I can pay for all the stuff and pay all y'all. And, you know, um, we can do this women in hip hop, you know, healing retreat and, it, and, it, and I can bring it back. I closed it down because of COVID, but 2025, we're going to bring it back. Um, and that was a wonderful space because we got a chance to have like veterans in the industry, women um, that are veterans in the industry do kind of like mini conference in a, in an intimate space. We're in cabins in Idlewild and we're on the water. And then, you know, Lisa, we uh, pre-booked massages. So you could have some time off too to enjoy it, you know, and uh, enjoy the space because we can't just have you rubbing on people for four days. <laughs> but, um, and we did a little, you know, meditation and yoga or people could just stay in their room. We had our, um, Brittany was our vegan chef. And, um, you know, we, we had Mama and Gia was teaching us about touring and, you know, um, we learned, we, we learned about doing PR and we also, you know, um, Sabrina taught us about, you know, the label aspect, like, you know, the record label, uh, aspect and you know Nina was there helped us learn a little bit more actually no uh, Sabrina taught us about a little bit more about management but um we're gonna bring that again um back again for that women in hip-hop retreat because it was intimate enough I think it was like was it 25 of us or 15 it wasn't like a lot it was a small group and um I think I want to keep that kind of number as we can, and, and we did the ritual by the water, right? We did that ritual by the water. And shouts out to Tawana, who's in the chat, like, like I did my festival there, and that's where I got the idea. Like, yeah, let's go to Idlewild, Black-owned land. Like, and if Tawana owns that land, and Kalima has some dough, and we can get some more dough, maybe we could use Tawana's land and give her the dough <laughs> for her land. But anywho, it was thirty-two women. Kelly says, but I think. We, we always talk about this healing and we've been working on this healing and we've been doing this healing. And like you said, Lisa, we just got to keep on. We just got to keep on healing because of the everyday process. Um, before we go, um, do want to remind people about Sasha Center. I know we've named Sasha Center um, plenty of times and, and you'll be seeing Sasha Center here a lot more. We got to do more together. There's so many of us. Yeah. Petty Propolis is uh, Tawana's. There's so many of us. Um, and we just, we just got to stick together. You know, we got to, we got to help each other and stick to, we, we do. It's not like we don't, but it's just a reminder. Um, please go to the chat. There are links in the chat to get help and support. And there's links to support Kelly's family, her daughters. There's a Venmo, a cash app. Please go there. Um, there's a meal train. So please go there to, you know, shine and share love on, uh, her daughters. So before we go, I'm going to play another poem and uh, this is Kelly Mays. 
Native Child. This poem is called Oz. A brown girl auditions for the part of Dorothy in her high school's adaptation of The Wizard of Oz. The director tells her she's not quite the right fit and offers her the part of the flying monkey. Open letter to the director of my daughter's high school play. Or if a brown girl cries and no one is around to hear it, does it break her mother's heart? I know it may seem hard to believe that brown girls are messengers from God because you were taught that all angels are white and fly high above, but some angels live in hood heavens where concrete be yellow brick road. Emerald City be Big Mama's Kitchen where hair care and home-cooked meals happen every day, but ain't that what magic is? Scarecrow be street poet, rocking hip-hop beats and mixtape revolutions every time his feet hit the block. Tin Man be that street mechanic that never finished high school, but can rebuild your engine and your computer all from the trunk of his car. Cowardly Lion be that uncle that no one ever talks to. But everyone calls when shit pop off But ain't that what magic is? Who better to play Dorothy than a brown girl? But you prefer brown girl Be silent like flying monkey Be subservient like flying monkey Be accessory like flying monkey But brown girl be more Be resilient Be resourceful when they rock natural hair Be resourceful when they rock a fucking weave You see brown girl get shit done Even when brown girl be told No brown girl makes brown skin wearable Not weapon A wildflower amongst weeds And ain't that the shit that hashtags are made of Ain't that magic The brown girl cries And no one is around to hear it breaks her mother's heart but ain't that the shit that fairy tales are made of ain't that magic Ashe can we just put like a billion hearts in the chat let's put our billion hearts in the chat so many hearts so many hearts saw that love and that passion hearts 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 Wow. How powerful is that? Look, I'm like, I'm speechless. And it's true. And it's real. And that's the place that she spoke from was her heart. And I think that that passion and that drive that she fight is the same passion and power and drive that we need to do to fight for her and for other Black women. Like, you feel it in her soul. It's like it shakes. And it, and if you can feel that, it makes you shake on the inside, that you know how serious she is about that and her serious about her mission. So let her life not ever be in vain. No one's life ever be in vain. And we still will speak these truths that she has because she spoke them so clearly. That was absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful, man. Beautiful. I do want to say she was on the featured on that um, Button Poetry is a, a a venue series, and she was featured seven times. And I want to uh, just remind us that she was a slam poet winner. She won a lot. And she was a writer, and she was a mother, and she was a daughter, and she was a friend. And her name is Kelly Mays. Her name is Native Child. And she mattered. Kelly mattered. Native mattered. 
And um, I just appreciate you coming here to share this wisdom with us, Lisa, helping us move through this process of grief. Look, Piper, I'm happy that you even have a, you created a space for this. I'm, I'm happy that you're part of revolutionary change for us as a culture and people. I'm happy that you're stopping us from being silent. Like, I'm just grateful for you as a black woman to be even able to hold this space, to share this space, to know even walking in here with fear. Like, but you feel the fear. But black women, we have to do it anyway, because there's always fear. So there's like she said, like there's there's no stopping us. And that's so I'm grateful to you that you even had that you did this. Like, thank you. So thank you. And just sending her mother ooh, we, and her daughters. Yes. All the love. I hope that everyone in the chat is felt by her mom and her daughter because there are so many hearts and so much love and so much passion and dedication and, and friendship and kinship and sisterhood in this chat right now. And if you are watching this, Miss Janice, um, all these people love your daughter so much and just sending her so much love. And I just hope you feel it. If you're hearing this, Celeste, all these people love your mother and we just sending you all so much love. And um, this won't be the end, right? This is, this is a continuation and we will continue to support her work. Um, like Lisa said, through these organizations, um, in our platforms. So was there anything else that we need to say? Oh, we need to do our closing. So I'm going to let you, I'm going to put you on solo and maybe, and you want to close the space? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'll ask everybody to come back. And if you're just joining us, or if you missed our meditation, when we begin to come back into a comfortable space for yourself, um, whether you're sitting, maybe you're lying down now, even if you're still in your car. And once you arrive, to just truly allow your body to be still. And this is resting the eyes and relaxing the jaws, softening the shoulders and the lips. Placing your left hand on your heart and your right hand right at the top of your belly. Bring inhale in through your nose a full breath, cleansing out anything and everything that you can think of. And exhale when you open your mouth, just truly blowing out anything that you feel needs to come out. A full exhale of the lungs. And then the next inhale, bring it up. Let your lungs and your chest rise up so very high. Exhale, relaxing the face and blowing this breath out of your mouth again while you send yourself so much love and healing energy. And a final one together, I love myself, I love you, I forgive myself, I forgive you. Thank you, Piper. Namaste. Thank you, Lisa, and thank you everyone who joined. Um, so this has been Piper Carter Podcast on the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. Um, share this episode with your people um, that may need it. And maybe it can be a catalyst for them to 
speak up or do something or get some healing or support someone in their own healing, there are resources in the description and I have more resources. I'm going to add them to this description and I'll also share them on the socials and Lisa's sharing them on the socials. Um, so grateful for you. And um, before we go, let's just say, everyone say her name. Kelly Mays, native child. Native child. Ashe. Ashe. Remember to like, share, subscribe, and always listen on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Store, and Spotify. You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network.